Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. I'm Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. Lavender Gooms is here. Hello. DJ Mark is here. What's up? Kid Presentable is here. Full squad in the house. Full squad. Hashtag full squad. We're all here. Um, Mike's back from Japan. Maybe still jet lagged? I don't know. I am extremely jet lagged. That's right. Mike's right. You guys, you got to know Mike's dedication here. He's jet lagged. And on right behind him, he could be watching Elias play guitar on Monday Night Raw. And he's chosen to join us for this show instead. Um, I, mean, I don't know that shit. He's got headphones on. He can have a mirror, too. <laughs> Mike's the type of com- person who comes in with the full force of a Japanese high school baseball band playing him in to a show mid-sentence. Mike's got some. Mike's oh got yes, some cachet is all I'm saying. That's right. Um, you guys missed that great like, from two I'm weeks like ago. I'm like Braun Strowman, man. I'm money in the bank. I come in whenever. Yeah, that's right. Mike, <laughs> he's got the reference. Mike's got the. Mike's watching for a couple months. Yeah, I like that. By the way, guys, I like Mike's the only person in the world enjoying the Sasha Bailey gimmick. You know, it's gotta, gotta get this man watching some NXT. We'll talk about that later. So, guys, uh, we're, I, I could do about. I could do without Bailey. Oh, Mike, we gotta talk. Um. Uh, guys, we are now living in a world where Brock Lesnar has no belt. He is no longer the Universal Champion. So the worry I had of this man walking to the ra- to the cage in February holding a not real belt, apparently safe right now. Um, he comp- he competed, if you want to use that word, performed last night on Monday at SummerSlam, uh, looking a little bit, little bit, you know, usadad, you know, a little usadad in the midsection, you know, <laughs> um. Gave up his belt. Um, Miss Ronda Rousey squashed a woman, um, which is wrestling term for one extremely one in a re- one in an extremely one sided manner. She became champion, and then she celebrated like we she, we, we saw, like when we saw her win a real championship. So looked good there. Uh, ran ran into the first row, jumped on Travis Brown, said "I love you, Travis Brown," and I was like, "That's kind of weird that she referred to him by his first and last name." Um. Anyway. Uh, there's fights this weekend, Marcus. Yeah, good ones too. Yeah, worth the wait. Exactly. It's what happens when there's not fights for a little bit. We get an opportunity to get excited for fights. Um, it's like they gave a shit and gave us a card that's pretty fucking good. Exactly. Who would have thought, thought, thought if they didn't have to like if you know if the, if half the people in this card weren't fighting over the last two weeks, you know they could all be on the same card. Works out. Um, so. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about this Justin Gaethje and James Vick card uh, pretty shortly, quite frankly, because there's not a lot of MMA news. Um, noticeably, that is that uh, the the fight between Khabib and Connor, uh, the tickets went on sale uh, at the new at the newish T-Mobile Arena. The ticket prices were fucking bananas, and it is effectively a sellout. And I say effectively because I went on the website and looked for tickets. And I'm gonna say there's less than a hundred available. The cheapest one being twenty five hundred and fifty dollars. Oh. Jesus. And that is not cage side. That is, um, if to put it in basketball terms, lower bowl. Mm. Lower bowl. Um, about halfway up. 
That lower bowl, middle 50-yard line, mid-court. Good view. That my favorite place to sit, quite frankly, to watch an MMA event. $2,500, um, which is quite impressive. Um, and we got a lot of footage of John Jones uh, training in his garage. And someone said the best part about this footage is that John Jones is just reassuring us he's not driving because there are no cars in that garage or in that driveway. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I want to put this out there. This is a calculated move, folks, because I've seen the tea leaves here. I know where we're headed with this because word on the street is John Jones's team seems to think he's going to be cleared to fight by November. Now, in November, Stefan, the UFC is holding a card. And where is that card taking place? Madison Square Garden. That card has no main event, folks. It has got a co-main event. I mean, it has a main event as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Quite frankly, that fight should be five rounds. We should all talk about that. But then Nate probably asked for more money then. Um, then there's no fight. Um, Nate Diaz taking on Dustin Poirier in a fucking banger. All right? Co-main event. Now, Alexander Gustafson was supposed to fight like a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, whenever Anthony Smith rearranged Shogun's face. Like the week before that. Um, Gustafson got hurt. Uh, right around the time people were volunteering to fight him. You know, in a late replacement fight. Um, now, I'm saying this right now. John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson are going to main event UFC 230 at Madison Square Garden for the interim light heavyweight championship. And Mike, if we live in a world where John Jones is the interim light heavyweight champion and Daniel Cormier is the light heavyweight champion, well, what's real, man? Um, What's real is that my disbelief that John Jones will be able to make it to this fight, or at the very least, if he makes it to this fight, something wrong is going to go. Something wrong is going to happen. Okay, I mean, let, let's I'm put not this out. My hopes up. Let me just put it out here also. I just invented this fight. I have no sources. I'm just guessing that's not right the, now. That's not the take you wanted, Bobby. I'm going to give you the take yeah, you take, wanted. Go, go, Stefan. What go. will happen is all will be right in the universe, and that son of a bitch, John Jones, will take his rightful place as the true champion and king of mixed martial arts. He's just a terrible person who will never get his comeuppance. He will just keep on fucking up his way to the top because Mid. that's how life is cruel, Mike. It is unfair. People who are not good, people who are not deserving – will just keep on succeeding, and that is John Jones. Did did it scare anybody else when I think it was a week or two weeks ago? I think one of his trainers said John Jones now has true one knockout power. Did anyone else start thinking, oh shit, he's on the juice again? I mean, if you listen to John Jones himself, he wasn't taking steroids, he's taking gas station dick pills. Taking those rhinos, alright? So... As no one, no one develops one punch knockout power in their thirties. Right? Uh, hey man, like, uh, left hook Larry himself, Michael Bisping, pop. Luke Rockhold's chin down. Goodbye. <laughs> Technically, you can say Daniel Cormier did because he just came to MMA pretty damn late. Mike's about, oh, to, Mike's about okay. to accuse all these people. Mike's about to accuse all these people. <laughs> well, as Nate Diaz once eloquently said, "You're all on steroids." There we go. Well put, my friend. Oh, uh, no. I'm sorry. Everybody's on steroids. There we go. Yeah. I'm Honestly, guys, uh, there's no news. I really think that fight's going to happen, though. I think it's definitely, definitely going to happen if John Jones can fight in, November, in New York. Because who else is John Jones going to fight in New York? I mean, it makes sense. But, you know, we just don't know yet. I mean, yeah. that card needs a fight. And it obviously needs a big one because it's going to look weird. You can't put 
Mighty Mouse and Henry up there and then have Nate Diaz and Dustin be your co because it's like all right I'm now now I'm the Kung Lee fan who's bouncing after the co-main because I'm much more interested <laughs> in that fight than the main event so they got to put something big they're in Madison Square uh, you need to okay, just put Nate Diaz I think you can honestly I think they can sell pay-per-view and non-titled pay-per-view I think he is one of two people who can one of three people I think John Jones can get away with it too Maybe, maybe we're the one. Maybe we're just biased because we're all just major Diaz brother D writers. But I would definitely buy a pay per view that just had Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz on it and just a bunch of crap. That would be one of the cards I would buy. You know what? You know what? You know what? Mike, that's a, that leads right into it because we can do history right now. That card did happen. Oh, go ahead. Because I just want to say, I'll, I'll give you my hot take on this. That will totally serve as a main event when it becomes for the interim title, when inevitably Habib or Connor get hurt and that fight never happens at 229. It will set up perfectly to be an interim title when that Habib fight. I know, I, I know I'm jinxing it, but once Connor signs up for a card, he doesn't miss the card. He just takes Connor a while to sign up for the card. So, so Connor. It's Habib. Habib is that. Habib, once he signs the contract, his knee gets weak. All right, that's when it gets is, the ligaments get loose and creaky and shit. You don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, Mike, that card happened. Uh, let's just do um, Marcus. What's the segment called? That happened this week. That's right. That happened this week. And you know what happened this week? The UFC broke their pay per view records um, two years ago. This past week, when they did UFC two hundred two, Nate versus Connor, the rematch, biggest pay per view ever. 1.6-ish, maybe 1.65 million pay-per-view buys. Um, headlined by Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. And let's just tell you the fucking rest of these fights just to give me, tell you crap. I mean, maybe by the, maybe by 2018 standards, not that bad. Um, co-main event, Anthony Johnson versus Glover Teixeira. Donald Cerrone, Rick Story. You know what? On paper, this is all of a sudden becomes pretty good. Mike, pa Mike Perry versus Hyungyo Lim. Um, Tim Means versus Sabah Hamasi. Cody Garbrandt versus Takeya Mizugaki. Oh, this card's a banger. I took this all back. <laughs> Everybody got knocked out, too. They're all finishes. <laughs> yeah, UFC broke their pay-per-view records two years ago today, uh, this week. Marcus, are we going to see it broken again, Come assuming the fight happens come October? Uh, I mean, I guess early indications is that's pretty healthy, right? They yeah. almost sold out. The tickets are more expensive than they were for that event. Um, I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the UFC train hypes this fight. Because, I mean, they obviously we complain a lot about them not really putting a lot of promotional bucks down behind a lot of their fighters and events. But they do that for Connor because they know that investing money in this event will pay out where I feel like they're not as confident with some of their other fighters putting a lot of money into promoting the event. So I think there will be a, a big push, I imagine. The relationship, the mean, relationship with ESPN is what it is now, too. They're about to go enter into an agreement with. They're about to start that relationship. So more I was publicity even there. Mention, um, you know, obviously doing publicity outside of the normal MMA kind of circuit. I don't know if Connor's up for that anymore, right? Like, I don't think I don't, think, I don't know if he's going to go to Conan or anything like that. I think he'll only go to Conan. <laughs> I think that's the I mean, only he's one. Part of their family now. He's literally like Conan owns a part of the UFC. So, but I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the push goes. I imagine it's going to do very well. Um, I think it. I think it has. It, it's there is. It's more likely it'll beat. I think. Um, I think. I think it's definitely one. because they, he sold four million pay per views with Floyd, and he hasn't fought since. 
And while I think him and Nate, the third fight, might actually do better right now, I think just a push from the Floyd fight. That's what I think. We'll put him over the top. What do you think, Mike? I'm sorry. I was so jet lagged. I actually spaced out. My man, are you okay? You look like you're dying over there. <laughs> <laughs> if Mike, if you just disappear at one point, we'll, we'll understand, okay? Um, do, uh, you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll ask the question again. That's my bad. That's I was going to say, do you think we're going to see, uh, do you think we're going to break the record here? It's a pay per view record. You uh, think the Floyd, you think the Floyd push is enough to get them over? I think, oddly enough, Connor hasn't fought by the time he he gets in the octagon again. He'll not have fought for two years, and his popularity has gone up in those two years. The Floyd fight probably had a lot to do with it. You know, a lot more people have more rec name recognition with him even than they had when he was the champ champ, and he's had a concerted and focused string of controversies and mishaps that has somehow gotten him on sports center and all of these different platforms that get his name out even more and on top of that he's one of the more he's one of the most exciting fighters in the ufc in a long time we were thirsting to see him again so absent makes the heart grow fonder this is for another belt granted it's a belt he had before and it's against the it's against really good competition. I think we all kind of thought he could beat Eddie and probably pretty easily going going into that fight. This is a true test. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in this fight. Or a lot of us probably think we do in that I mean, Connor's going to lose. We're just wrong a lot, too. Stefan, what do you think? Where do you come on? What's I mean, I was going to say, I think Mike touched on it, but I think the uh, big X factor that we're not giving enough attention to is... This is going to be a good litmus test for what ESPN just invested in. You know, this is the first, like, when the ESPN car wash, as they call it, you know? Like, now that ESPN has a stake in the UFC, now that they have, like, specific content for their ESPN Plus thing, you know, like, back with Ronda and Connor, Connor fights, it was undeniable that even if Fox had the rights, ESPN still had to mention it because these people were such transcendent stars. But now ESPN's got that financial stake, right? Let's see what, what this deal is actually worth now with, uh, you know, like Connor getting full uh, airwaves on ESPN versus Fox Sports. That could really do a lot, you know, or ESPN has also been declining. So um, I think they're about to find out like with that event, if it if it, you know, if it holds up, I, I'm being I'm being the naysayer. I'm being the bearer of doom thinking that it's not going to happen. That's just, you know, my personal experience with these fighters. But if it goes through as planned. Um, they have everything in place to make this the biggest event they've ever had. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, some more history as we get back to that. Um, Marcus, talk to have you talk about this a little bit more. But here we had the um, seminal, the first big giant event in women's MMA history, where um, Christine Cyborg Santos at the time, now Justino took on uh, Gina Conviction Carano um, back on August 15th, 2009. <sighs> Fuck, Marcus. Shit, that was, did not seem that long. Nine years? But yeah, a huge event, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was easily the biggest women's MMA fight uh, you know, at the time. And even maybe today still. I don't know. Because, um, I mean, some of... I mean, Ronda obviously grabbed bigger headlines. But what you had in Carano and Cyborg was really kind of like two big stars colliding 
And I don't know if Ronda really had a rival. I mean, maybe her and Tate that second time. But it was it was it was kind of magical because at, at the time Gina hadn't lost in uh, MMA, and I I think maybe Cyborg I think she lost her first fight, but she'd been crushing everyone since. This was obviously the two women that had to fight each other. They're the two biggest names in the sport, and uh, yeah, when they finally did, I don't think the outcome was too surprising. Uh, Cyborg was you know physically a lot more um, you know stronger than Gina was. Uh, she was more well versed in, uh, you know, mixed martial arts as a whole. Where Gina was really a Muay Thai practitioner that kind of picked up some MMA stuff. So, I mean, ultimately, what we got in the fight was what I remember of it was kind of sloppy work in the clinch, uh, a lot of failed takedown attempts, but ultimately, Cyborg getting on top and, and pounding Gina out. And um, you know, at the end of the day, that was uh, Gina Carano's last fight um, in MMA. She moved on to movies. Cyborg continued to dominate. But I really liked about it. there was no bad blood. They knew that they were the you know the top top women in the division, and you know Gina kind of passed on that torch to Cyborg, who I mean didn't really. Gina was able to grab a lot of headlines not only because she was you know a very beautiful young woman, but she had been doing other cross promotional things. I think at the time American Gladiators. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't <laughs> know if she had started already with American Gladiators, as that was after her MMA stuff. I'm not totally sure what the timeline was, but Gina was blowing up. Cyborg was this huge threat. It was just, you know, unmovable objects, unstoppable force kind of thing. And yeah, it, it was great. It was great for women's MMA. And what was really uh, fantastic about it, too, was that after that fight, I think a lot of people thought like that's that might kind of be a wrap on women's MMA. You know, that was your biggest star. She's leaving. There's not yeah, really a Marcus, lot of goals. Not to not cut in here, but I remember um, Ronda. I talked about this a little bit. How she thought Cyborg might have almost grinded MMA to a, women's MMA to a halt. Um, not so much, not just because she beat Corgina, but it was that was a combination of you also were the only one out there, and then you tested positive, and yada yada yada. I mean, you could make the argument basically that if Gina Carano had won this fight, we might have gotten to where we are now a little faster. That's the argument some people make, just in terms of. I guess yeah. Uh, no, I guess I, like uh, how popular Gina was and how she would have gotten more popular and this would have been a better spotlight in theory. Yeah, I, I don't know what Gina's headspace was um, going into that fight and out of it. I don't know if it was just when I lose MMA, I'm going to move on to the next thing, or if it was win, lose, or draw, I'm kind of done with MMA. I want to move on to a career path where I don't know. I'm not getting smashed in the face all the time. I don't know where Gina's head was at. Um, but obviously, after that fight, there wasn't a lot of you know, high-profile female athletes to kind of pick up that mantle and run with it. Um, Strikeforce continued to promote women's MMA, and obviously it wasn't too long after that Ronda started coming onto the scene and kind of blew up. And before that, it was, you know, Sarah Kaufman and Misha Tate were, you know, trading the belt back and forth, and, uh, you know, there was a bit of a division going on. So it, it, it did not die with Gina Carano. But it wasn't too long until Ronda came in and really kind of swept everyone up into a fever. Because, I mean, obviously we know what Ronda did for uh, women's MMA as a whole. And without her, you know, who knows where women's MMA would have been. It might not have left strike force. And it might just be something we see on Bellator every now and then. And these girls are still having a hard time, you know, finding, uh, you know, relevant fights. So, you know, things played out pretty well. In the uh, some, more, uh, some more history. Uh, kind of these two kind of linked together on some level. UFC announced they're going to be on Fox back in 2018, uh, 2011, sorry, August 18th. Um, and the first ever UFC on FX1 card happened in 2013, August 17th. 
Um, notably, Conor McGregor versus Max Holloway was on the prelims. And Conor did get the lights out um, entrance. That Stefan, I know you like to... Uh, at the time, you were like, what the hell is this? But it was more so just foreshadowing what we were getting with with this guy, I guess, really. The first non-main eventer to yeah. get the lights out treatment. On the fucking prelims. Um, I'm uh, Stefan, your thoughts on this deal? Um, and really, do you think both sides got what they wanted? Talk about the ESPN deal? The Fox deal. The Fox, Fox deal. And oh, sorry. Um, just like in in hindsight, after yeah, everything? I mean it's coming to an end. We got four more months. Um, yes and no. Uh, yes in the sense they were trying to launch a network, and by all ratings accounts, this was their ratings earner. This is what that allowed them to be a network. You know, um, ESPN had their giant purge of uh, employees where they <laughs> liquidated a lot of their uh, on air assets and. They pretty much within the next month, they were all in one form or another over on Fox, you know. Um, was it exactly their wildest dreams? Probably not. Um, I think ultimately Fox Sports wanted to be a really strong competitor to ESPN. But I think as things as like, you know, the tide has shown with just the way media is consumed nowadays, everyone is down across the board. Um, we sure, know like their channel is also terrible. So we should point that it, out, too. You know, it doesn't help. You know, like I mentioned, they they brought over a lot of ESPN's fired talent. Um, I use the word talent loosely. There's a lot of deplorables, like uh, your Skip Baylesses and uh, Colin Cowards and all them that I cannot stand to listen to them. When they were on ESPN, I definitely don't want to listen to them now that they're on Fox. So, you know, uh, whether it was a success, I think in the in the sense that they were trying to launch the network, yeah. Um, did they want to have a better standing than they do post UFC? Probably. So um, there's some give and take in it. I think that the UFC got a little out of it only being on network television, but Fox Sports One, the UFC is their shit. They, I think they got more out of it. Quite frankly, on that end, ESPN should prove, should prove more uh, fruitful. You'd hope at least. Um, let's pick some goddamn fights. Um, coming to you. From the name of this fucking arena, the Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's right. We're going to fucking Lincoln. Lincoln, Nebraska. This arena holds uh, four, about 15,000 people. Shit. Who the hell plays here? Um, they don't have a team. Oh, the Cornhuskers. That makes sense. Um, coming to you from Lincoln, Nebraska, we got Justin Gaethje and James Vick. A fight which I feel the lead up to... One of the gentlemen has been really rude, calling him, calling Justin Gaethje dumb and the Homer Simpson of MMA and all that shit. And James Vick's supposed to be Dredrick Tatum, I guess. Um, yeah, um, this is going to be a goddamn brawl, though. It's going to be great. Every Justin Gaethje is, fight is. Um, going five rounds here. The betting odds, Stefan. It is James Vick as the slight favorite at minus 150 to a plus 130 Justin Gaethje. Um, for those who've forgotten, Justin Gaethje has lost two straight to probably the two best lightweights not in that fight. Um, that title fight we mentioned. Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez um, lost one in the third, the other one in the fourth. Just both fights he could have won. Both of them he lost. Um, James Vick has been on a bit of a roll and been calling for a fight like this for a long time. He is 13-1. and one. His, He's won four straight. His only loss, he got KO'd by Benil Dariush. Coming off of decision win over Francisco Trinaldo. 
which I'm more impressed that he beat him by decision than anything else because it's hard to beat Francisco Trinaldo by decision. That's how that man wins fights. Um, Stefan, what do we got? Um, I feel bad doing this, but um, I kind of think Justin Gaethje might have been a little exposed in the UFC. And uh, it, it's it's James Vick's biggest step up by far. But as you mentioned, he's been calling for this. He, he's It's long overdue for him to get this step up. And he's really tall and long. And he does something that Stefan Struve had never has. And he uses that reach. And for a guy that gets hit as much as he does, and he loves to fight inside like that clinch range, he likes to fight, get real deep in the pocket. Um, I worry for him getting pieced up by that long jab. Uh, Vix, um, you know, again, it'll be the biggest win of his career by far, but I, I worry that we're not long for Justin Gaethje's career. Oh, you're muted, Bob. Mike, uh, do you have our are the stand? Have our standings been updated yet? How who's winning this right now? Yes, I updated them earlier today. Kid Presentable widened his lead on me by a game. He's now at 44 and 26. I come in second. You are in third, Bobby, and Mark is in last. How far ahead of Mark am I? This is an important question. Uh, half <laughs> a game. No, wait, a game. A game? All right. Um, Good thing I picked first, fellas. Follow me to the promised land. Um, Marcus, what do you think, brother? Do you... You gonna ride the James Vick train? James Vick train? Or do you think Justin Gaethje turns it around here? Uh, I, I think it's a really interesting, fun fight, and a really tough one to pick. Um, and I think a lot of things that Steph said um, could totally come into play here. I, I'm gonna go with Justin. Uh, it's not a pick that I'm super comfortable with because I mean he doesn't have a lot of momentum winning fights. He has a lot of momentum having fun fights, and I hope at least that momentum carries on here and we get another uh, you know barn burner. But I think James Vick does offer some challenges, um, especially what Stefan said. If he can keep uh, Justin Gaethje at bay with the jab and not let him get on the inside where he's able to really, you know, flurry and brawl, um, it could stop him in his tracks. I think Justin is one of those guys that isn't going to be bayed by jabs, right? I feel like this dude is going to eat three of them just to get in the pocket. And, you know, if his face gets fucked up and he gets stopped, I think that's a, maybe a more likely scenario than James putting him out out. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, really, I just want a fun fight here. Um, I'm pulling for J uh, Justin just because I think he needs it a bit more. If James gets this fight, though, like, <sighs> he's kind of undeniable at lightweight. He really becomes, you know, part of the picture pretty quick. But um, I, I don't know if he's there yet. But um, yeah, I'm going with Justin. But mostly I'm I'm pulling for another fun fight. You know, I thought um, I was going to pick Justin either way. I thought you were going to be – I thought I was going to eat this one because I thought you were going to take Vic. Um, I see the – I. Stefan made the point that he might be um, exposed. That could be true, but it also could be true that we learned that he cannot beat anybody that good. So it then becomes a debate of how good I think James Vick is or James Vick can be. Um, I think he's really good, but he's never fought anybody even close to as good as Justin Gaethje is, I don't think. So... I don't know. I, I, it's really the betting odds are very accurate for this fight. I'm gonna go Justin Gaethje though. Um, what do you think, Mike? I thought you were gearing up to take uh, uh, James Vick. I'm here. I'm uh, here. I'm here waving the flag for Justin Gaethje, man. I'm gonna wave it for at least one more fight here. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say Justin Gaethje has been exposed in the UFC. Um, 
I was gonna say if we left Stefan just pick another game up on all of us right now, this is a goddamn tragedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, like it's one of those weird things where no one picks the favorite. <laughs> like, well, Justin Gaethje in all of his fights in in the UFC, even in his win against Michael Johnson, he got his shit rocked. And mm-hmm. James James Vick is he's become a very good striker, and as you guys alluded to, he can actually use his range. Uh, and I don't know that I feel like that. Spells disaster for uh, for Justin Gaethje. This might be three in a row for him. So, I mean, you, you're saying it is will be it will be three in a row for him. Not that it might be. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's right. Me and Mark picking the fun loving Justin Gaethje. Stefan and Mike picking a man who one of his coaches is Lloyd Irvin, and Lloyd Irvin's a real bad man. Um, co-main yeah, event. But he, made, but he made a Simpsons reference, and you know I love the Simpsons, Bobby. That's right. Um, is wait is Lloyd Irvin? Craig, no, wait, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be kid presentable because that would be hey, uh, it's, it's, one more thing. Hey, um, he's kid Mo at this at that point, Bobby. Yeah, he was yeah, kid yeah. Mo. I, I got a question for you guys. Has there ever been a coronation for a champion the day after? Like I'm seeing right now on Raw. Yeah, normally when you're like, a bad guy, though. Okay, because <laughs> all these other chicks outside the ring, they looking salty as hell. They got to be there. I think. uh you're gonna see one of them. They're gonna they're, they're gonna find a oh, is, is Stephanie in the ring? Is that what you're watching? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Ronda <laughs> played her. Like Stephanie tried to reach out her hand to shake it, and Ronda <laughs> just went for the mic. Mike, I like how Mike is becoming a wrestling fan just by having it odd in the background. Um, yeah, how they, how they try to have Alexa Bliss here all hurt with her arm in a sling? That's fucked up. All right, continue. I'm sorry. M- Michael Johnson, Andre Touchy Feely, uh, Michael Johnson coming off of. Three straight losses. Justin uh, Andre Feely coming off of a win over Dennis Bermudez. And uh, two wins, actually. Beat Artem Lobov, too. Um, I'm going to frame this pick the way it needs to be framed. Stefan, first, though, give me the odds. We got minus 140. And a slight surprise to me of Michael Johnson with a plus 120 for Andre Feely. But that line's really telling me they don't really know what to do with this fight either. Well, see, this is the question, Mike. Um, I'm not, I'm, when I'm asking you who you think is going to win, I'm asking you how done do you think Michael Johnson is? I do not think Michael Johnson is all done. I have faith in my namesake. It's Michael Johnson, 17-13 and 13 record. Mike's, Mike will be joining him, picking him right there. Marcus, what do you think? Oh, I hate to say it, but I'm going with Michael Johnson, too. <laughs> Um, I, I like the wrestling advantage, but he, he went to featherweight and he got out wrestled by Derek Elkins. So it's not like mm. that's a great, you know, thing to hang my hat on. But I'm going with Johnson here. But again, I, I think the matchmakers got it right. This is a tough one to call. Stefan, what do you think, brother? Um, God, it feels so dirty. It's like, but it really comes down to is it that you think Michael Johnson is washed or do you think Andre Feely can actually put it together? I mean, in I- fairness to him, Andre Feely looked that Dennis Bermudez fight. I actually thought he won. I didn't think Dennis Bermudez got fucked there necessarily. The like, thing is, I didn't see it. Yeah, and he didn't look head, amazing, but he looked you know he looked okay. <laughs> in my head, Andre Feely is a guy who's a fun action fighter, but he doesn't necessarily win. Um, I guess I'm gonna take Michael Johnson. Um, no, this is not a fight anyone's gonna make catch up any distance on me because I'm not comfortable with it. Do you take Michael Johnson? Yes, sir. Nah, fuck it. I'll take on. Actually, no, I'm not. I don't think he's going to win. Michael Johnson. Yeah, Michael Johnson. I don't see my head descending that way. I see Andre Feely getting punched right in the fucking face. Um, Courtney Casey, Angela Hill. Uh, oh, Courtney Casey, uh, Courtney Castiron Casey. I like that nickname. 
uh, coming into this fight, uh, lost three of la her last four. The last one being a split against Michelle Waterson, which was a very, very, very close fight. Um, remember that. Uh, Angela Hill can't let her fight somebody e easy ever. Coming off a win over Marina Moroz. Also, the co-host of one of my favorite YouTube channels now, the Two Straws Show. Um, wonder if she's going to pick her own fight. Um, betting odds, Stefan. We got Angela uh, Overkill. Overkill, Overkill right? Yeah. Uh, as a minus 130 favorite to a plus 110 Courtney Casey. Again, a lot of coin flips on this uh, card. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Angela Hill. Wait, wait, wait a second. Steph, all you said was a coin flip. Did you pick one? No, I asked oh, Bobby was just asking me for odds. I'm just asking for the odds. Yeah. Oh, that's my that said, uh, I'm with Bobby, uh, I, I'm pretty sure we're all going to be on board with this because we all love her. This is going to be an Angela Hill sweep in my in my my estimation. Yeah, she's got to. I'm going to point this out there though. She's got to like, let's win Do this more. thing, man. Like I was going to say, we're, we're we're getting a lot of decisions and a lot of win one lose one. You're back in the UFC. I know she's still young and all, but like, we got to string some of these shits together, right? You know, we got to show some advancement here, make some moves, get ahead in this one. And Courtney Casey's tough. But I still, I think Angela Hill makes some, uh, will make more, you know, she's getting better. And I don't think Courtney, I think Courtney Casey is just a tough competitor. I don't think she's necessarily getting any better. So, yeah, that's why I got Angela Hill. Stefan, you're with me. Mike? I'm going to go with Angela Hill as well. Marcus? Yeah, it's a sweep. All right. Luckily, we have a couple pick em fights and we all end up on one side of them. Um, and then, Stefan, this was the second biggest betting line on the card. Jake Ellenberger, Brian Barberina. Most days, this would be a really lopsided favorite, but the fact that Eric Anders exists on the card, even though we're not picking the fight, I just need to put it out there again that this man is a minus 1,000 favorite in a fight. That's incredible, but back to the fight at hand. Brian Barberina is a minus 470 favorite to a plus 375 Jake Ellenberger. The uh, the Vegas the smart the smart guys at Vegas do have no faith in the juggernaut. Um, Jake Ellenberger has lost... Let me make this as depressing as possible. Eight of his last ten. All right? Eight of his last time. We got a three-fight losing streak, then a win, then a two-fight losing streak, then a win, and now he's on a three-fight losing streak. Man's got a – man's from Nebraska, isn't he? Yeah, there we go. That's what we're doing here. Um, I think this is a wrap. Brian Barberino's young. He's good. Uh, this is they're, – they're just saving on the airfare, man. Jake's just going to drive home after this. This is a wrap on this whole thing. Uh, Mark? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really in good consciousness uh, go with Jake here just because the momentum has been stopgapped on him. I think it's going to be a tougher fight than what I think a lot of people would imagine just looking at the line. Um, Brian is more of a grappler. Jake's more of a grappler. You know, when those two collide, I could see, you know, I want, I think it could be, you know, maybe not the most exciting fight in the world. It could be a, a tactical up against the cage clinch match where maybe Brian gets a takedown here and there and steals some rounds. But I think it might be more competitive than the line. But, yeah, I can't not go with Brian with, you know, just how Jake's looked recently. So, Mike? Um, this is going to be a clean sweep for me. Um, it's been a long time since Jake Ellenberger won us money. This might be one of the last times we, uh, we get to mention that fact. And uh, the other thing is that if uh, Stefan alluded that there was a minus thousand uh, favorite uh, somewhere else in this card, I mean, you're in Vegas, you just put some bucks on the other guy as a flyer, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's a lot of money potential. 
Mike taking the betting oh, strategy pardon, popular, pardon. popularized by Kevin from The Office. That's right. That's exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> uh, well done, my friend. Um, Stefan, I'm assuming you're all we're on board here. Yeah, uh, I just want to. I say I agree with Mark though. Barbarina, he's not the type to steamroll people. You know, he's a bit of a grinder. So as big as the betting line is, like, I'd be surprised if Jake Ellenberger got like you know his wheels knocked off or anything. Um, I don't think Barbarina's that type of fighter. But yeah, it's it's you you feel like a fool if you pick Jake Ellenberger at any point, including those two wins in that last ten. Um, yeah, it, it's he. I, you know, I've kind of been kind of generally liking the guy i've been wanting him him to hang it up for a while but he he just seemed like one of those fighters who couldn't that matt brown one seemed like a goddamn miracle too i remember that uh that matt brown win um josh koscheck submission that was when josh koscheck started foaming at the mouth that's how long ago we thought this guy was done by the way so to point that out all right it's how long ago um yeah ufc in nebraska i bet they sell it out uh, and another fight we're not uh, we're not picking, but shout outs because she is also a uh, you know a, a fan favorite here at the podcast. Uh, that's JoJo Calderwood um, taking on Kalinda Faria, kind of low on the card. So I mean, I might be inclined to uh, what is that? Is that fight pass? Is that that is fight pass? Yeah, I'm thinking about. I, I, honestly, I was gonna get it just so I could watch that Dana White thing, but then that ended. So I was about now, to say FS1, but now it's this like ESPN Plus shit, and like none of us got that right. We yeah, not, we've, I'm getting. We're, I'm, we're not sharing a five dollar account yet. That's not till January. That's when we share the five dollar account. Okay. All right. Um, you know what? We got another person in there too. Phil's gonna throw another dollar, so a dollar in two. So we, it's a clean dollar for everybody. I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, all right, let's do some twenty questions. Okay, so I actually am going to implement one more rule. Um, so this one, well, you gotta give all the guy gotta say the other rule. I think we took the other rule off air. What was the other rule? The the computer thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick easier guys. So you guys should not have to rely on the going to the computer. So no internet searches. And I'm going to be implementing that. I'm going to give you one minute between questions to think of another question. So we don't get these awkward pauses where you guys are just hemming and hawing saying i don't know and this that and the other so we're going to be a little bit on the clock this well last, speech, last week was yeah. a bit of a problem because I, no one else was there to ask questions beside me so you guys the people had to listen to me just think okay so who wants to kick it off clearly we can't afford to license the jeopardy music just to keep oh, on that's true bobby we're this. gonna get music to play in the background i don't think that's a bad idea we need to get some stock music, some stock game show music. I'm sure we could find yeah, some uh, generic uh, copyright-free music. Yeah, as uh, Nathan Fielder would say, some royalty-free music. All right, so who wants to kick us off with our first question? It's always an easy first starter. Are they an active fighter? Uh, no. Hmm. Go ahead, Mike. Is he black? Uh, no. So we're so now we don't know if he's not black or if he's not a he. I'm ask if it's a man. Damn. Okay. Is it a well, man? Wait, 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 wait. Well, actually, we should we shouldn't have asked that because I said he, and he said no. Yeah, but he's could have been saying no to the black part. Is it a man? Uh, yes, as a male fighter. <laughs> wait, a non-active, not black male fighter. Are they Asian? Uh, no. Oh, we go. Is that what we're doing now? Is he white? <laughs> Was that a legitimate question? 
Yeah, the legitimate okay. question. Uh, yes, he is white. You would yeah. be Caucasian. Has he, ever held, has he ever held a championship in a major organization? Uh, yes. We're at six so far. Stefan, that's you. You're muted. Mm, uh, what do I got? What do I got? It could be weight class time or when the last fought time. Well, we Man, haven't decided weight. what organization this championship was for. I'm just thinking pride. I'm always thinking pride. Yeah, Are they Mark? a heavyweight, Mark? Uh, no, they're not a heavyweight. Ooh, I always think of big, fat white guys when it comes to Mark. This person hold a UFC championship? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. Is... Um, I think I dropped ahead of Mike anyway. Go ahead. The Sorry, what was that, Mike? I didn't catch it. Is this person above the age of 40? Are they above the age of 40? I have to check. I don't know. Just hold on, hold on. Hold All right, while he's on. checking, Bobby, think of that. Uh, think yes, of another he's question. over 40. Right. That's nine. Did this man hold a championship in the UFC at 170 pounds or lower? Uh, no. All right, so it's a middleweight or a light heavyweight champion. You said specifically UFC, though, Bobby. There were other I asked, but, I also, but I asked if he was a champion in the UFC, and Mark said yes to that. Above yeah. the age of 40. He's over 40. He was a champion. He wasn't a heavyweight, and he was a champion between 185 and 205 pounds. How old is Forrest Griffin? I, I can't. I, I can only answer how, yes or no. Okay, let me, let me ask this question. Were they a champion after UFC 100? Were they champion after UFC 100? No. Okay. Stefan, that doesn't help me, Bobby. I don't remember when what UFC 100 was anymore. UFC 100, the, the light heavyweight champion at the time was Machida. The middleweight champion was Anderson. Oh, so, so Forrest was already champ, had been champ by then. Yeah, it could be Forrest, and it's a white guy. This is in my head who I in my head right now. What's sticking out is Dave Manet. I don't know. Were they on tough? I don't Mark? even know who the hell that is. But I don't know if Mark would do that to you because these. Um. What, what was the question? What was the question? What did, what did you ask him? Were they on tough? Uh, uh, so I was about to ask. No, they were not on tough. Okay. Does that cover? But that cover. That means he was not on the show, right? He wasn't a coach or a contestant. Yeah. Okay. He's a All white right, guy. So what number are we at? You gotta learn to use multi-layered questions like that. What, what are we at? Twelve. Mm-hmm. And okay. Um, do we just ask if he's one way class or the other so we can narrow it down? Yeah, um, we're just thinking American champions at this point, or white. Yeah, okay, look, possibly. let's go through. This is who. West? This is who we got. Let's. This is who we got at uh, American champions. at just two weight classes. We got um, light heavyweight. We got Chuck. We got Tito. We got Tito's Randy Couture. Tito's active. Yeah, Tito's Cho's, active. So's yeah. Chuck. So's Chuck then. Also, if Tito's oh, active. Shit, yeah. All right. It wasn't going to be the those two anyway. Randy Couture. He wasn't a heavyweight. It's so not Randy Couture. Um. Randy, wasn't Randy Couture champion at light heavyweight? Yeah, but we got uh, Rich Franklin is on the table. I think I think Rich Franklin's there. Um, we need to ask a question. We we're running. Out have, of time. We, okay. have we ever? Have uh, we ever seen? Let me get, let me get let me get this one. We can rule out Rich Franklin right now. Did he have a job as a teacher? What? The? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with no. I I'm gonna go with no. Hey, I'm not a hundred percent on all this which guy's. Which Franklin? Well, exactly. We're not going with the guy who was famously a teacher then. Yeah, Jesus Christ! I don't even have one person. Um, was this person champion at 185 pounds? Uh, no. 
All right. Who is a goddamn who is a goddamn light heavyweight champion of the UFC? Was one of the Shamrocks? Is it Frank? Frank Shamrock was champion. Then it was Tito, right? And then it's got to be Frank Shamrock. Then is that who else would it fucking be? I'm not sure. The way narrow it down, Bobby. Did this person's brother ever wrestle in the WWE? Yes. Okay. Is it Frank Shamrock? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that was in 16. That okay? Almost, oh, almost the best so Frank far. Sha Don Frank and Ben was, uh, in 15. Frank Shamrock was UFC champion. He wow. was the first. He UFC was the first champion. ever light heavyweight champion when it was actually 199 pounds. Hmm. Um. All right. Good job, guys. Didn't they uh, call it middleweight back then, or am I thinking of pride? It, I think they called. I think you're right. Yeah, in the Wikipedia, they were calling it light heavyweight then, but that might be retroactively after the fact. Yeah, I thought it was called middleweight back in the actual day, and then it became light heavyweight when they started instituting more weight classes. Right? I, I think you're right. Yeah, I think I think you might be right. It, but as far as Wikipedia is concerned, it's the light heavyweight championship. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um... Let's do stuff. Shout out to that original. Uh, was it Frank and Tito in the original Dreamcast UFC demo? Yeah, which yeah. I played like a billion more hours than I ever actually played the game when it finally came out. See, yeah, really, one little thing hard. I want to mention, not about the game, but about you guys playing. See, that's why you need more people because Steph mentioned he's the only one to mention. Was it a Shamrock? And that see, because last week with just Bobby, he's not getting these weird things bouncing off. And that's why you need extra extra minds going. Um, you're not getting the cool question like, was he a teacher at some point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike, <laughs> Mike, I think you get a lot because you ask if the guy's fat or not, and that can really, those are kind of oddball questions that really narrow down the field. But good job, guys. Is fun. he fat is just code for is he a heavyweight? <laughs> <More or less. laughs> I'm waiting for uh, Mark's pick to be uh, Baruto. And, uh, I was going to say, we, 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 Mark, sumo guy. this is supposed to be educational, Mark, so Ken Shamrock, first ever UFC light heavyweight champion, um, famously has a problem with Dana White, started a bullying organization because Dana White bullied him online. That was a little weird, um, but he was the fucking man. Uh, yeah, I mean, if we want to go into it, I mean, I didn't know, didn't necessarily need to be educational or not, but yeah, Frank was really... Um, just a quick, just a quick, you know, blurb about him. Considered to be one of the first um, complete mixed martial arts artists, right? Um uh, when he he started after Ken going through Pancras, you know he had a, a good repertoire of great ground striking and mainly cardio. And then um, you know he was one of the first guys that he after the Lions Den gym he kind of built his own called the Alliance. And he got Maury Smith, who was a great kickboxer, and TK, who was a great grappling practitioner in Japan, and was kind of getting all these different styles and mushing them together. And uh, you know, his his championship fight with Tito Ortiz is considered not just to be one of the best uh, mixed martial arts fights, but one of the defining for the uh, for the generation where a lot of people learn that stamina is key. And that even if you have a better skill set, because Tito was grounding him and winning rounds, that if you don't have the stamina to go, you know, the full five or three, um, you know, you're not going to win the fight. So uh, he was really, really a revolutionary fighter in his own right. Um, he's the only fighter to have championships in UFC, WEC, and Strike Force. 
Um, you know, he was a big mainstay in Strike Force. Had some had a great fight with Phil Baroni, Kung Lee, and uh, Nick Diaz. Um, you know, unfortunately, the, the Nick Diaz one. People who are listening to the Joe Rogan podcast probably heard the story of the Nick Diaz fight where Frank Shamrock famously told Joe Rogan he could. He says Nick was talking shit and kicking my ass, and I honestly just couldn't believe he was talking that much shit while also kicking my ass. Um, he said it was just, you know, it's just, it's like an onslaught of punches and profanity. Yeah. And he retired him. That was a Shamrock class fight. That was in 2009. Yep. Um, all right. Let's do stuff we like. Mike, I want you to go first because I think you should go to bed. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got this week, man? I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so as you mentioned at the uh, onset of this podcast, I just returned from Japan two days ago. And the last time I came from Japan, um, after my year away, I stupidly came back on Sunday and went to work on Monday, Mm -hmm. Uh, which for any of you that have traveled to Asia and come back, that jet lag is real. This time, I decided to come back on Saturday thinking, oh, well, a day in between, that'll be enough time to break it. No, I was almost dying at work. I got home. And I'm almost dying now, so I can't wait to get to bed. But with all of that said, um, the trip to Japan was great. And uh, one thing in particular for the stuff we liked that I got out of the trip was I went and visited the Jump Museum um, that they had over there. For those of you that don't know, uh, pretty much all the anime that comes out, it comes from different uh, uh, magazines that come out every week. The most famous one in Japan is called Shonen Jump. So I visited that art museum. Um, it was regaling uh, all the manga from 2000 and up. And I found a lot of good manga and anime to watch for the next year. That's uh, kind of old. So I actually started watching this anime called Assassination Classroom. Uh, I'm assuming Stefan probably may have heard of it as he's the one that's most into anime on this podcast besides me uh no by um, name but i've never seen it um i've seen the picture a bunch of times and i thought it looked really stupid because the main character in the show is like this really huge yellow like alien that looks a bit like an octopus and has a big stupid face on but when i actually read the synopsis for what the story is in that shonen museum I'm like, holy shit, I got to check this out when I get home. And the synopsis is that this super powerful, like more powerful than the One Punch Man type of alien comes to Earth, destroys like three quarters of the moon. And he declares that in a year's time, he's going to destroy the Earth. And nothing can destroy him. He moves at Mach 20. And the only chance that Don't think that's a thing. Now, I don't think that's a thing. Is it Mach 20? No, not a thing. And his one stipulation that he gives the people of Earth to kill him is that he wants to be the homeroom teacher for a classroom in Japan. And, <laughs> and the Earth's chances are left up to these kids who are also, you know, his, uh, his students. And they basically spend the whole year learning from him, learning to really like him and appreciate him, but also trying to assassinate him um, to save the earth. Oh, wait, hold on. Um, 
so the stipulation is that if he's the homeroom teacher, he doesn't destroy Earth, right? The stipulation is that he won't destroy the Earth before the year is done and that the students in that classroom can try to kill him all they want. He won't hurt them. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's really that in a year's time, regardless of what the Earth does, besides killing him, he's going to destroy the Earth. Yeah. And then it's just for giggles. He wants to be a home homeschooled uh, homeroom teacher in Japan. Pretty much. Okay. All right. That's that's because <laughs> when he first said the name, there is a comic called Deadly Class, which is actually getting a TV um, show where it's like a school for assassins, right? They teach assassins. I was like, oh, this probably going to be like a ripoff of that or something. The other way maybe, around, we're like really possible. Maybe it's the same. Maybe it's the same show, but just translated differently. I'm not well. Sure. I read the comic, and there was no giant oh, okay. alien that was going to destroy earth that's where i thought it was going and then you mentioned that guy and i was like well, okay that's completely off and then you mentioned you wanted to be the uh homeroom teacher and i was like okay yeah this is completely off the rails sounds interesting indeed it is right on um stefan you got anything we're all gonna we're gonna talk about nxt takeover at the end because three of us watched that but stefan you got anything this week sure yeah um i saw a movie that i was looking forward to seeing for a little while it's come with a lot of hype um keeping it on that uh asian tip i saw crazy rich asians um and i loved it i think it's a really great romantic comedy movie is it genre redefining no it does does it cover ground that's never been done before no but i think that's the whole point of a movie like this it's simply a movie with representation telling an asian story with asian american actors with an asian male love interest it's things that just have not existed in mainstream hollywood in america if you're an asian male in this country you are very aware that all jet lee got for his troubles was a hug from Aaliyah. you know like it's like glenn in the walking dead was a big deal because he was the first Asian character in uh, mainstream American media that ever got the white girl. Like, these are things that don't happen. So just seeing this predominantly Asian cast, it was great. And as far as romantic comedies go, it's in all the tropes. You know, if like you've ever seen a good romantic comedy movie that makes you cry a little bit because it touches the family heartstrings, it swerves you, it gives you characters that you think are fun, that you care about, it gives you characters that are jerks and assholes. It's simply that this movie gets to exist is kind of the big deal. And I'm proud of it for that regard. I think it's a good movie. I think it's a fun romantic comedy. I think if you've got a significant other to go see it with, you'll have a good fun time. It, again, it's got heart. It's got jokes. Um, and the thing is, these stories are universal. Love and family crosses all colors, you know, and origins. Like maybe you don't get like how Mahjong works. So when they have a scene with that game, you might not understand the rules of it. But those things hardly matter. Um, at the end of the day, it's a story with a lot of heart. It was very fun. Really enjoyed it. Um, hope it, you know, I uh, just hope it opens the doors for more stories like this to be told. I had a really good time with it. Right on. Marcus, you got anything this week before we get into the, the yeah, graps? Yeah. Uh, there's a couple games. Uh, I mean, the big one uh, this week that I'm really excited for is they uh, are finally re-releasing uh, Shenmue 1 and 2 on PS4, Xbox One, and PC, I believe. And Shenmue was a really big game for me when I was a kid. Um, 
it was kind of the marquee game for the Sega Dreamcast, which, um, you know, at the time kind of really pushed the envelope for what you could do graphically in a game. And Shenmue pushed that to the 10th degree. Um, it, it did, it does things in those games that games today still don't do. Um, and it's a very, def- uh, divisive game as well. Um, it's very slow paced. It is really trying to capture the the mundane life of living in Japan in 1986. Um, it's super grounded. I mean, the main crux of the story is you're a young man named Ryu. One day you come home and uh, this uh, Chinese man with his uh, with his like looking like triad gang members uh, basically uh, kill your father and steal this mirror that he was hiding. And uh, Ryo's story is just finding out, you know, who killed his father. And how you do that is you basically walk around in what you would consider to, today to be a very small environment. It's like one little neighborhood block, a couple blocks in kind of like a more city environment. Um, by open world standards today, very small. At the time, it was ginormous. Um, but what I really like about it is you can literally talk to each character that's in the game. They're all fully voice acted. And each character, even though it doesn't really come into play in the game, has a fully fleshed out background story. And most of the characters will have a routine throughout the day where they're working at a job. During lunchtime, they'll go to the hamburger stand. You'll see them at the hamburger stand, eat the hamburger, go go back to the store. Um, It is finely detailed in all the small little details it has in the game. And mostly what I'm interested in today, um, in today's kind of gaming environment, is to see how a younger generation if they could appreciate a game like Shenmue that, you know, has at this point is, you know, basically 18 years old. Um, if they could appreciate a game that does the things that it does at the pace that it does them at. And it'll be interesting because I think even in 2000 when it came out, it was divisive then. You know, it's a very slow game. But if you like games where you can kind of really get into the character and really live that life, um, it's a great game for that. And I'm looking forward to playing it again. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick on the 31st, one of the best uh, CRPGs that came out last year on PC is coming out for the PS4. It's called Divinity Original Sin 2. Um, I ended up pre-ordering the game on PSN, the PlayStation Network. And if you actually do that, they're allowing you to play the first act of the game, which they say could take anywhere from 20 to 30 hours. Uh, right now, um, when you get past Act 1, the game will stop. It'll fully unlock when the game comes out on the 31st. Um, uh, my fiance Christine, really enjoyed the first Divinity we started playing it yesterday, and we sunk like a good eight hours into it and have really been enjoying our time. So if you like uh, CRPGs, um, if you're looking for a role-playing game that you can play locally with another person or other people online, um, it's a really fantastic game. I could you know, sing the praises of all the things that Divinity does so well, um, and maybe I will you know, come closer to the release date. But um, yeah, if you're itching to play a CRPG, you have a PlayStation, have a friend that you are interested in playing with, couldn't get much better than Divinity Original Sin 2. So. I have it on a PC. I find it very, very difficult. It is a uh, hard game, just because I'm not used to this style of RPG. Yeah, it, there, there's a lot of things going on, and they don't explain things super well. And even like I played the first Divinity, even when I was playing with Christine, you know, I have like a magic caster, and I throw um, like this poison ball at this guy, and then everything explodes because I guess there was gas around him. So there's all these environmental kind of hazards that like there could be oil on the ground if you like the oil on fire you have like a fire pit um if someone's standing in water you can uh use electricity to hit a bunch of people that are standing in the water you can freeze the water there's a lot of there's a lot of complexity to what you can do in that game 
Um, I think it helps having another person play with you. I know managing four characters when I was playing the first Divinity by myself was a bit much because there's so much inventory management, making sure each person has the right equipment. They have, you know, uh, healing spells and potions and uh, revival spells. There's It can be a lot of managing, which um, is really cool playing with Christine. She loves micromanaging all that stuff, getting rid of the stuff we don't need and, you know, making sure everyone's equipped with the best gear. And it's good to have someone else kind of do that for two other characters. So I have a smaller amount of items and characters on my plate to kind of, you know, customize. But yeah, really fun game. Really cool. Um, right on. So um, three-parter here. Um, really the, onto the whole wrestling genre. We'll end with NXT TakeOver because I watched that with stuff on and Mark. Um, first off, SummerSlam, I mentioned Ronda Rousey became a champion. That was, she had a, it was a good, it was, you know, for a squash, she did a good job. Um, Brock went out there and they somehow made an eight minute match interesting. So, you know, despite the crowd booing, trying to boo him out of the building, wasn't bad. Um, and, uh, Seth Rollins dressed like Thanos. That was pretty cool. People appreciated that. Um, another part of this is, um, Matt Riddle. Is officially they pretty much officially announced that they got Matt Riddle in NXT slash the WWE. Um, there's a really cool little um, ten minute video they did um, wrestling organization called Fuck. Help me out, Marcus. What you watched it? What was the? I think it was Evolve and WWN. There we go. Yeah, Evolve WWN. They he, he uh, they did a little uh, goodbye to Matt Riddle, which they put online right after Matt Riddle showed up on TV. Um, and Matt Riddle was on there talking about how much wrestling is meant to him and how, like, you know, he it was so much better than being a fighter because as a fighter, he went out there and did his best. And you know what? It, he'd still go online. Everybody would tell him how much of a piece of shit he was for having a boring fight or something or not winning, which is a good reminder of how terrible MMA fans are, quite frankly. Um, Including us. Like, we just yeah. totally written off a couple fighters picking those fights. Like, that dude lost three. He's garbage. And it's like, yeah. hell, you know, we don't... Yeah. He's garbage this, in the context of being, like, the top elite fighters of the world. Yeah, that's not this type of thing where, like, even, like, yeah, I mean, we I don't think we try to be dicks about it, but they're, we're kind of dismissive sometimes. And, like, these guys are putting their fucking heart and soul out there. And Matt Riddle's like, being a wrestler lets me travel the world, and I'm home the whole week with my kids. So... It's, uh, well, that's gonna go away if he becomes on part of the WWE machine. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got to get paid, man. He's got three kids. Well, so. I want to say this because I mean, Bobby, you mentioned Matt Riddle to to me a long time ago. Mm. Hardcore MMA fans might the name might ring a bell because he was on a season of tough. He fought in the UFC. He, he ended on a three fight win streak. <laughs> yeah, and he he turned to indie pro wrestling. How long ago was that? Like four or five years ago, Bob. I don't even know it's been that long, and but I yeah, guess, it's yeah, it's been it's been a good while, and you know, Bobby always told me like, oh, this kid's blowing up. He's supposed to be really good, and it wasn't until after the show last week I caught uh, on YouTube a highlight video of him and this guy uh, Keith Lee, who's a kind of a rotund African American gentleman, and just watching the highlights, like I instantly huge fan of Matt Riddle. That guy, yeah, everything that they've been saying in the independent circuit about him just being an instant classic, someone who just gets pro wrestling. With the snap of a finger, like watching him wrestle is just, man, it is really entertaining. And you know, to see him get exposed on a bigger stage, you know, like like NXT, um, we'll see what they do with his character. You know, what he he'll be able to actually do in the ring if he'll be able to have the style of matches he's been having. But at least seeing the stuff that I've seen just recently of him, like, yeah, I'm a huge fan now. You know, and before I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad he pivoted into pro wrestling because I'm always concerned about these fighters, you know, being able to make a living after the fact. And now we're seeing more and more of them go into pro wrestling, but to see what Matt Riddle 
has become is like, oh man, this guy's not just like Ronda, and this guy's not like Brock. Like this guy is like he should have just been doing wrestling. He, he, the whole he time. gets it so well. It's hard to like ring psychology and all that stuff, which you know, people aren't wrestling fans. You don't understand what you mean, but like you're trying to tell a story out there, and Matt does a really good job, and he's a natural. And if people fucking love him. He's the king of bros. You know? He has he just goes up the crowd just chants bro for him. Showed up looking like a bro. Um WWE is pretty chill about weed. You pretty much just gotta pay the two thousand dollar weed tax. Uh, if you get caught. Jesus. Uh, they call it the weed tax. That's what the wrestlers call it internally. Which if you know anything about wrestling, it's probably better that they're smoking weed than all the fucking painkillers and yeah. shit that are killing all these guys. Um, third part of what I want to talk about is NXT TakeOver. Um, we, Mark and I previewed it last week, and, um, based on every review I read and my own opinion, pretty much fucking lived up to what they said it was going to do. Um, had f- five matches on there, not one of them was bad, and, uh, Shayna Baszler, um, went out there, and Marcus, I don't think you've seen her work before, but you saw, she just... Plays a good heel out there, huh? Yeah, she was really good. I expected good things from her match, and you know, I thought it delivered. And I think, like, like you said, Bob, uh, the whole event kind of delivered. I think for, for me personally, though, I what I saw um, watching NXT, it didn't make me go like, oh, I need to start watching NXT again. And I think it's just the matches were good. They don't have that star power that they had. Like when when I first just started watching NXT, it's when uh, Shinsuke came. And it's yeah. just like how you instantly gravitate towards that guy. Not not just because he has really cool, interesting matches, because like he's a persona, he's a character, he captivates the audience. Um, and what I saw last night, like uh, Velveting Dream, I think has a little bit of that, but he's missing it on the other end, right? Like I think he's a really fun, cool character. His matches aren't that great. Like I think they're good, but they're not like Matt. Like especially just coming off watching Matt Riddle wrestle, it's like, and watching some of the New Japan stuff, like the bar for me is higher now than it was even when I first started watching NXT. So what I saw last night was a really good, solid event, but it was enough to me for me to be like, oh yeah, I want to start watching this on a weekly basis again. Um, had a hell of a match between Ricochet and Adam Cole. I don't think Stefan, I've ever seen one man get super kicked while upside down and doing a flip. Um, that was, yeah, that was the that Adam that was Cole ridiculous off of the moonsault. That's <laughs> one of the best wrestling spots i've seen in many years you know like um to what mark said you know we're 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 old wrestling heads back from the days yeah. we watched it there's not a lot people can do anymore to surprise us um and that move surprised me uh you know like you can tell who who's got it you know i agree with mark it's just the level of star power is down um i kind of came in around like the tail end of like finn balor and everything and he had his whole demon thing going on shinsuke was like truly something special um i don't think these guys quite got that uh you mentioned velveteen dream he's really fun but uh mark's right he's still learning it as a wrestler he's like in his early 20s he's yeah he's super, 20 super... he's he's 22 that's the thing yeah, it's kind of weird young. to watch someone made this point to me before you continue where like um they were talking how like you know Shayna baszler is not necessarily very good on the microphone all right but this is also their developmental territory so you need to make her get on the microphone. You know what I mean? Like there's no – rather than try to hide faults almost, you almost are just like we got to teach you everything right now. So it's kind of weird watching a show which is admittedly they're telling you we're trying to turn these into what we want still. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. That's, that's part of the fun is you're actually seeing these people grow because while we haven't seen a lot of Velveteen Dream, Mark and I saw this kid as like Patrick Clark 
Apparently he won a season of Tough Enough, which I didn't know was still airing somewhere or something. And he came out with tights with an airbrush picture of his own face on it. We're like, what the hell is this guy's gimmick? He's <laughs> just got his own face on his pants. He was generic as could be. We went to a house show like a, about a year or so ago, and he didn't even have the name Velveteen Dream yet. He just kind of came out as this prince-esque character, and people just started chanting Purple Rain. And it was kind of fun because you can we can kind of say we were kind of there for like the birth or the genesis of this correct character but they workshop things right you know like yeah, that's exactly kind of the, that's the fun of this organization and you know you, they're not supposed to be finished products but um you know someone like shinsuke is different because this guy was a massive star elsewhere in the world he he showed up to nxt a fully formed product it was I mean, goddamn they got goddamn samoa joe on that show yeah too, you know for, some yeah. Guy, for, <laughs> for some guys nxt is a seasoning right it's just them getting ready to like Bobby Roode is another guy. Like they, these are vets. They're, we're going to call them up soon enough. But then the other hand, you get to see someone like Shayna Baszler, um, now incoming Matt Riddle soon. This is the young kids who are like you know the homegrowns, right? We're gonna we're gonna really develop them uh, to get ready. They they don't have like years on the road in Japan and Europe and all that. But that's the fun of it. That that's what makes NXT so cool. Is you know it's a special atmosphere. They're not. A lot of people fail when they get called up, and it's not because of who runs the organization. It's it's just a smaller product. You don't have to do as many matches. You're not managing as many storylines. You know, it's also and, it's also the fan base. You're you're dealing with a hardcore fan base rather than the general public. You, it's hard to. It's not gonna be the same thing. Yeah. So like a lot of people are like NXT is so much better. Why can't they just make it do them do this on the main roster? It's not the same thing, and it never will be the same thing. Um, NXT is an environment to succeed, and but that's the beauty of it, right? Is because if you care about NXT, you care. And so you're just going to have more fun with it. You know, you get a lot more casuals in the main stuff and casuals will never be as like committed to it as like the really, really like blood, sweat, tears. Like we used to be that in middle school, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's fun. It, that, that's why I like NXT more than anything is I can I, I don't follow it normally, but it, it, it feels so nostalgic. It feels like such a revisiting the pro wrestling that I grew up. It's with. honestly it's just kind of simple, too. Like it's, I told you when we were watching, I'm like, in NXT, it's enough to for these guys to just like, they both want the belt, and that's it, and we're gonna go off of that, and that's enough. You know what I mean? Um, those are people who actually are fans of NXT. Um, I yeah, I think Ricochet and Cole was my favorite match of the night. I think everybody agrees that Gargano and Champa didn't need to do this again this quickly, but it was still awesome. Uh, still probably my third favorite of their three matches. But shit, man, what are you gonna do? You fought three times on pay per view in a row. Um, I was, uh, I think EC3, I haven't watched Monday Night Raw. I think EC3 is either going to go up this week or very soon. He does not need to hang out in NXT. He doesn't really work a indie style that a lot of the NXT guys do. He works a main roster style. And um, he's not going to immediately start getting cheered either. You know, even though he's got a banger of a theme song. Man, that guy is just so generic to me. Like, I don't. I, that's one of the. But you, you, you can see Vince. You like, could, but you can see Vince looking at him and being like, "Yeah, give me this jacked up dude on my." I mean, show. He's just yeah. a jacked dude with seven layers of bronzer on him. Um, yeah, it's a lacquer, right. really. I think <laughs> it's the lacquer. Um, yeah, um, I think that's it for this week. Um, Mike, you still alive over there? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, Mike. You could have bowed out during this whole segment. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, there was a pause was so long. Mike was awake, but it sounded like he literally woke up, crawled out of bed, and then crawled to the mic and said, "Yes." 
And uh, uh, just worth I, mentioning. I wanted to hear about NXT. I was very interested. And then I will put this out there because um, I'm a big Velveteen Dreamhead. Um, I do believe that kid is the goddamn future, but I do have uh, the guys made a good point. It is the future. He's still getting uh, uh, good. Fucking 22. It's disgusting that he's this good at 22, though. Um, he came out uh, with a crown and looked like Biggie Smalls with the shirt and all that shit. And that was wonderful. Just made me happy. And his pants said, call me up, Vince. So that was kind of cool. You see exactly. how nobody's coming out like Tupac? It's because Biggie's better. I mean, they're okay. in Brooklyn. Are they, you know, like, go, go, Biggie in California. Yeah, Mike, Mike, I need you to show me the uh, the Biggie hologram. All right. How many, when, how many times when, has the WWE been in Oakland? Nobody come out like Tupac. Uh, show me the Biggie hologram. Show me a hologram they had put out there that freaked people who were on peyote out. Then all of a sudden, Tupac, not Tupac came back from the goddamn dead at this concert in the desert. All right? <laughs> um, all right. I see Mike is watching Finn Balor wrestle. I'm going to find a way to watch this. Thank you guys all for listening. We'll be back next week. I believe we're going to have a pay-per-view to preview next week. Am I, uh, am I right on that, guys? Someone, uh, someone look up. When's UFC? Like, close my UFC. window. UFC two twenty until is September eighth. Oh, we got a little, so, we got a little break. Uh, we, we got a break. There's another fight card in the middle there. There might be another fight card. Yeah, Stefan, figure yeah. it out. There's another fight Back card. Pay per view, and then Fight Night Hunt Olenek is the fifteenth. I'm just going off of what's on Best Fight Odds, right. and they're not. Oh, you know what? Not picking any other card. Oh, you know what? Dana White, the Brazilian version of Contender Series, starts. Yeah, I'm not watching. Which. That. I I don't have why the thing would, that does that. Why wouldn't they just have the Brazilians on regular contender? I don't know. They're I mean they're also doing it in Vegas, so they're making them fly here. So I don't know what we're doing here. Oh God, tough isn't dead. You guys hear that shit? God damn it! Is this someone else's contender series? Dana White's contender series. So, Mo- so four and four and Mayra Bueno taking on seven and Mayana Kellum. It's happening August twenty fourth, guys. And they're going to have a, Hen- a Diego Enrique Da Silva because there aren't enough Da Silvas and Antonio Arroyo. Okay, we're just dragging this out. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about something. Um, that's how I sell this show. Peace out, guys. See ya. Later.